0: So we're continuing in our discourse in this first service, the Life Masterclass. We're continuing in our discourse right on, I think this should be the third part, if I'm correct. on how to defeat the opposition in life and in the marketplace. And we've been using um, David and Goliath as a case study. As a case study. And um, I want us to pay attention to the things shared in this series. Because these things have the capacity right to position or better still reposition you in the marketplace. We must never forget the fact that God's covenant with us is for us to be the head and not the tail, to be above only and not beneath. So, as believers, anywhere we find ourselves, especially in the marketplace, we have an inheritance in that field. We have an inheritance in that space and that inheritance is to be the head is to be above it's not to be beneath am i making sense this morning god's plan and god's desire for us is to do well is to do well is to do well and what does it mean to stand up? what does it mean to be the head no matter how well you dress you can't cover the head i hear what i'm saying you can't cover the head no matter how well you dress we still see your head So what it means to be the head, right, is that no matter how bad things may be in a specific industry, in a society, you are still noticeable. You are still visible. It simply means you cannot be covered. That's why the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. It simply means they are going to see it. Even if they pretend not to see it, there is no way they will not see it. Nobody can wake up in the morning and pretend not to see the glory of the sun. No matter how much you try to pretend not to see it, even if you don't see it, you feel its effects. <laughs> Maybe by the heat or something. And so what it means to be the head simply means you cannot be hidden. No matter you, You see, even if you yourself, you try to hide yourself, you become unaideable. <laughs> Am I making sense this morning? So we must have that at the back of our mind. And um, we've been reading from 1 Samuel Chapter 17, verse 33 to 51. First Samuel, chapter 17, 33 to 51. I want you to write that down and probably read it when you get home because I have a lot of ground to cover this morning. Um, so, But I want us to open our Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 7. 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 The Bible says, who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? It says, you shall become a plain, and it shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. Did you see that? It says, who are you, great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You can as well put your name there. Who are you, great mountain, <laughs> before Akitola Samuel? who are you oh great mountain he says you will become a plane it simply means you see the opposition oftentimes look like a mountain that cannot be brought down but god is saying to us here that that mountain has within itself what it takes to bring it down and you have on the inside of you what it takes to bring down that mountain you have what takes, it, what it takes You have what it takes. So no matter how big the mountain is, that's why Jesus said in Mark 11 and verse 23, and I'm going to come to that. I hope I'll be able to get there in the brevity of time I have. Jesus said, if you will say to this mountain. So it simply means you must even recognize or better still identify the opposition you need to bring down. And just like I I already told us, I think it is necessary that I bring it again to our attention that when we're talking about the opposition, We are talking about the power players in any field of play, especially those who are not furthering the agenda of God's kingdom, especially those who are not furthering the purposes of God in that specific field, because God's plan is that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, that they will become the kingdom of our God. So when you look at entertainment, you look at the financial sector, the educational sector, God's plan, God's desire is that all these fields, right, they will be, you know, influenced by kingdom principles. And so when we're talking about the opposition, we are talking about any power player, anyone who is in a position of authority and influence, who is not in alignment with the purposes and plan of God. And we also need to understand that the opposition refers to anyone that wants to take the place that God has given you. And for every one of us as believers, we need to understand that there is a place that God has given us. There is a place for you and I. There is a place for you and I. And that place is at the top. That's why he said you shall be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. It didn't make any provision for you and I to be in the middle. And so we must keep ourselves reminded of that. We must never forget that we must keep it before our face. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 3 and verse 11. It says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. It said, Hold fast to what you have, that no man take your crown. Hold it fast. You are the one that does not know you have something. The opposition knows you have something. You are the one despising what God has given you. The opposition is not despising it. The opposition knows that there is a crown. A crown simply represents authority. A crown represents influence. That's why a king is incomplete without his crown. Without his crown. So God is saying, I've given you a crown. I've given you authority. I've given you influence. Hold fast to it hold fast why do you need to hold fast because someone or some persons wants to take it away from you and so we must constantly remind ourselves of this you see there's this scripture that says the prophet of the earth is for all even the king is served from the field it says the prophet of the earth is for all not for some but for all so if the prophet has not been coming to you it's simply are you guys hearing me very well i can't hear myself seems as if i'm shouting so if some has not come to you some of the inheritance god has made available for you it simply means it can mean two things number one you are ignorant of what god has made available to you or you are not willing to do whatever it takes to take possession of what god has made available to you am i making sense this morning and so we already established the fact we've mentioned some things right that will help us defeat the opposition in the marketplace but before I, you know, uh, okay, let's, let's just, let me just reiterate. We said that you need to believe that you can. That's the starting point. Believe that you can. Believe that you can, right? Whether you believe you can or you believe that you can't. Somebody by the name of Harry Ford, we sure know who that is, right? The founder of Ford Motor Complex. He said, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, he said you are right. Number two, we said you must never underestimate the power and influence of the opposition never do that never do that many people when they want to take over a specific industry or when they are thinking of achieving something significant in a specific industry most times they underestimate the power and the influence of the people that are already playing in that field never do that never do that and you say what we're talking about never underestimating the power and the influence of the opposition not just those that are ahead of you also the people that are behind you you see, because oftentimes the people that sweep um, big organizations and power players of their feet are usually the rookies, the guys that were despised, the likes of the Larry Page and the Sergey Brin who walked up to IBM and said, we have this idea of a search engine while they were still university students and they told them to go back to school, finish your school first. They ended up, they ended up founding Google. And today, that's one of the regrets of IBM because they wanted to sell that idea to them, but they underestimated them. So never underestimate the power and the influence of the opposition. Number three, we say you must be fearless. You must be fearless. You must be fearless. And fearlessness, as I said last week Sunday, it is not a gift. It is not an, interp- um, an impartation. It is lent. It is lent. And how you become fearless, right? It's by doing things that takes you out of your comfort zone. Do things that makes you uncomfortable. If you keep doing the things that, you know, some people say things like, you know, I, I, I want to do what comes naturally to me. Do you think it was natural for David to run after lion? Was it natural? You know, many lives have been destroyed by motivational junks. said, do what, what comes naturally to you. <laughs> so if what comes naturally to you is sleeping. You should just be sleeping. If what comes naturally to you is to be eating. You just be eating from dawn till dark. We need to create a balance to our knowledge. So you must be fearless. You must be fearless. And one of the ways you learn fearlessness is by ensuring that you are moving faster than your emotions. You are moving faster than your emotions. You see, the moment David got to the battlefield, David asked, They uh, sorry, they told David that Goliath has been speaking for the last 40 days. So, he will speak in the morning, he will speak in the evening. So, they were having morning and evening devotion with him. So, even if there was any form of faith in the army of Israel, that faith had been killed by listening, by listening to that man for 40 days. That was why when David came, David didn't wait for one day. He attacked it immediately. Why? Because anything you don't do immediately, you will begin to analyze you begin to and the more you analyze the more fear will set in the more fear will set in so the moment god drops something in your heart the moment you decide you are going to do something don't wait just do it that's one of the ways you become fearless one of the problems of believers is that we judge you know uh, (coughs) praise god maybe i'll get there this morning you see but the problem with many believers is this we overanalyze everything in the name of i want to know god's will that's why you need to grow and mature spiritually because when you do that it becomes easier for you to know the will and plans of god for your life as a believer when you begin to grow and mature in the things of the spirit there are times when you want to take some steps you will just know i'm not supposed to do this i hear what i'm saying you have to say i want to spend one month two months some people you ask them what about that thing i'm still waiting on god you are irresponsible the bible says the steps of the righteous man they are heard that by the lord the steps not the sitting down not the waiting not the calling upon god it simply means you are in motion you are making moves it is when you are in motion that god will now direct you that's why He says you will hear a word behind you saying this is the way to go where you turn to the left and when you turn to the right it simply means you are already moving then he will start directing you for instance if you are sitting in your house google map will not direct you will it If you say you are going to a destination, it will show you where you are going, but it won't direct you. It is when you are in motion. It now begins to recalibrate. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us. That's how God's Spirit leads us. It is when you are in motion, it begins to direct you. Sitting down in your house, waiting for faith to enter your soul. It doesn't happen that way. It is when you act on the word. That's why faith is not even knowing God's word. Faith is acting on God's word. Anything that you claim to believe, you are not acting on. You don't really believe in that thing. You don't believe in that thing. So you must be fearless. Number four, we said you have to be paranoid and delusional to the public, but not to yourself. What that simply means is you must learn to take calculated risk. You must learn to take calculated risks. And this is where I want to start emphasizing this morning. Know who you are and expect the best from yourself. That should be number what? Number five, right? Know who you are and expect the best from yourself. Hmm. You see... The reason many people will never defeat the opposition or amount to much, or why many don't amount to much in life and in the marketplace, is because they themselves, they don't expect much from themselves. They don't expect the best. They don't expect much. (laughs) They don't even know who they are. You see, you need to understand what it means to be a child of God. It simply means all the resources of heaven is at your disposal. It simply means you are backed up by the host of heaven. You see, many of us, we have seen Christianity for so long as something that is just religious. We just go to church, I give my tithe, I give my offering, I pray in tongues, I scatter everywhere. You know, Christianity is more than that. It's more than that. If you say someone is the child of the richest man in Africa, the way you see that person changes. Because you know that, wow, the son of the richest man, are you serious? If they say this is the son of the richest man in the world, there is a way you see that person. But we now say you are the son of God. The one that puts the resources, that made some people to be the richest. We are saying that person is your father. That's why you need to understand what it means to be a child of God. You see, before you get saved, God is, is your God, but he's not your father. When you give your life to Christ, is an adoption. It simply means you come into a relationship, fellowship with the Father. You become His child. You have an inheritance. Everything that belongs to God belongs to you. Salvation is a covenant relationship. And in a covenant relationship, there is nothing like mine. There is nothing like yours. It is ours. So it simply means everything that belongs to God belongs to you. Having that understanding alone should kill every form of low self-esteem. The truth is a lot of believers are dealing with low self-esteem. In the way we conduct ourselves, in the way we look, in the way we dress, I know how you feel about yourself and how you see yourself by how you carry yourself. David never saw Goliath as being bigger than him. He knew he was bigger than him in stature, but David understood that I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than this guy is on the outside. If David had looked down on himself, if he felt he was nothing, he wouldn't have made that move. Many of us don't dare things because on the inside of us, we just feel, ah, this thing is too big for me. People like me don't do things like this. People like me don't go to places like this. Who told you? What kind of person are you? Say people like me. Who are you? We just say you are a child of God. You know, there was a problem of the, uh, of the elders that were sent to spy out the land. 12 of them were sent. 10 came back and said, Wow. <laughs> what you said, maybe we should even open to it. Numbers 13. Media help us. Let's see. If you have your Bible open to it and mark it. Numbers 13. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13 from verse 30. 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 Hmm. You see, Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4 in verse 13, He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Let's read together. We're going, we're going to verse 33. Just. If you have your Bible, you can look into your Bible. And if you don't have, just look at the screen. The Bible says, and Caleb stealed the people before Moses. Because the elders had already come and they were saying nonsense. Ah, we've been there. It is true, but there is fire on the mountain. The Bible says, so he told them to shut up. He says, let us go up at once and possess it. Did you see what Caleb said here? He said, let us go up when? At once. Because he understood how fear comes in if you sit down over analyzing no matter what god has told you no matter the vision you will have fear will grip your soul so he said he didn't say let's go tomorrow he said we have seen it let us go up immediately at once for we are what we are what we are well able to overcome it but the men that went up with him said we are not what We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than us. How do you know? Have you fought them? The fact that someone is big does not mean they are strong. Hmm. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that each of the inhabitants thereof. How do you know? Why didn't he eat you up when you went there? How come you came back? He said he did eat up the inhabitants, but you saw some people there. How come the land did not eat them up? He said the land is <laughs> the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Let me tell you this. Anytime God shows you somewhere, he gives you a vision. And it seems as if the people there are bigger than you. The reason why God is showing you that place huh? Is because it's trying to reveal yourself to you it's trying to tell you this is your original estimation that you don't know the reason why the giants were there and god wanted to give them the land of giants is because they themselves were giants but they didn't know god was trying to reveal them to you see so some of us god gives us an opportunity to say ah no i can't do something like this god is trying to reveal to you your capacity he starts to tell you, you can do this, but say, ah, no, I've not done something like this before. I don't want to embarrass myself. No, you are embarrassing God. When you withdraw, you are embarrassing God and you are embarrassing yourself. It says, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sights as grasshoppers. What's the last statement? And so what? Yes. And so we were in their sights. How you see yourself is how people will see you. If you carry yourself as nobody, people will treat you as nobody. Nobody knows what is in your bank account. Nobody knows what you can do until you open your mouth and you reveal your low self-esteem. That's when they move to this side. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They say we were like grasshoppers in our sight and so were we in their sight. You will never be able to do better than your self-image and self-esteem. Never forget that. Never. Never. What is your self-image? Your self-image is how you picture yourself, how you picture your potentials, and how you picture your destiny in the present and in the future. How do you picture yourself? How do you see yourself? Your self-esteem is how you evaluate and feel about yourself and your future. There are two different things. Self-image is how you see yourself. Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. When some people think about themselves, their future, the the possibilities and their destiny, they just feel hopeless. When you think about yourself in your industry, in that field God has given you, do you see yourself as being big? Do you see yourself as being small? Do you see yourself as being incapable or as being able? Do you feel hopeless or do you feel confident? When you see what others have achieved, is there a feeling of confidence that one day, I know I'm going to be here. I know one day this is my reality. Or you just say, Ah, God, would this ever happen in my own life? Well, even if you just do small for me, Lord, you know I'll be thankful. Gratitude and low self-esteem are not the same thing. And that's the problem with many believers. Uh, Father, I'm grateful, I'm content. Sometimes it's just low self-esteem we are saying. That father, (laughs) I have low self-esteem, and you know. That's what we're saying. Praise God. He said we were like grasshoppers in our eyes. You see, the question you need to ask yourself is what did David see? What was he seeing? What ent- because this guy was 17 when he did this. Or was he 17? I can't remember. But he was not yet up to 30. Because the Bible told us he became king at 30. Right? He was anointed at 17. The Bible doesn't tell but Well, he was between 17 and 30. Or let's say he was in his 20s. What entered into his brain? What was he seeing? He must have seen something every other person was not seeing. What was he seeing? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. How did he see himself? Something that the old army ran away from. Even the king could not confront this thing. And a young boy just came and said, ah, well, this one, I can't do it. I've done it before. Let me tell you this. There was the first time David killed the lion. And the first time he killed the lion, the Bible did not even tell us he had killed a snake before that time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The problem with many of us is, I have not done something like this before. There is always a force. Am I making sense? There is always a force. When God brings you to a place where you have to do something you have not done before, he's trying to change your capacity. He's trying to stretch you. And when you stretch you, even when the force is released, you don't go back to your original size. Am I making sense this morning? The reason why a lot of people have low self-esteem is they focus on what they don't have. I'm not tall. I'm not light in complexion. See, all those people trying to turn themselves into light, complexion people, is low self-esteem. God didn't make you light. He made you dark. Stay with your darkness. <laughs> not darkness as in. <laughs> you are dark skinned, brown skinned. Oh, stay with your brownness. And be excited with it. Are you hear what I'm saying. It's not self-esteem because you feel others oh, have something you don't have. Who said so? It made you perfect for you who you are. It made you perfect for your destiny. Many people, the angels have missed them because the picture they saw in a visible from the picture. <laughs> then they say, Ah oh, no, the person we have the picture. No, is Zudu, you do hear me? This one is. He <laughs> just bypasses. That's just on a lighter mood, right? Focus on what you have. Everybody has something. Everybody does. Everybody does. I may not have what you have, but you also don't have what I have. We must always keep ourselves. Re- you see, everybody does not have the same. There is some. Anytime you look at someone and you see what you don't have, remind yourself that there is something you also have that they don't have. Always remind yourself of that. Always. Always. You see, if you don't understand and if you don't think this way, because this thing is more of a reprogramming of the mind. That's why Romans 12 and verse 2, the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewal of your mind. Many of the answers to your prayers will even come by the transformation of your thinking. And that's why when people just focus on power, 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 God do it, God do it. Many times, go check those people's lives. Nothing really changes. Because before God change your outside, he will first change your inside. Because the inside must be able to undo what is coming on the outside. So stop comparing yourself with other men. Doing so will give you a faulty estimation of yourself. When you compare yourself to other people, it will give you a faulty estimation because we keep analyzing your life based on what they have done. Not on what you have the capacity to do. The next thing is this, if you are going to take over any industry or defeat the opposition, you have to forget about work-life balance. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? You have to forget about what? Work-life balance. When I hear people who are so focused, upset, hey, work-life balance, work-life balance, I know they are serious people. They, most people with that mindset never amount to much. Hmm. There is no such thing as work-life balance. Forget, it doesn't exist. For anybody that wants to amount to much, there is no such thing as work-life balance. I remember there was a time, you know, in the days of Blackberry, many years ago, that should be almost more than 10 years ago, you know, when the Holy Spirit first told me this. He said, work-life balance is a myth. I put it on my, you know, BBA was it status they call it then or whatever, I can't even remember. And somebody well-respected, if I mention the person's name here, you know, some of us will know him, for most of us might know the person. Person was on my BBM counter and he sent me a message. He said, What do you mean? And I responded confidently. I said, There is nothing like work life balance. Because when you say balance, you are talking about something being static. It has, your life will never be balanced. What only exists is work-life integration or consistent priority management. There will be a time in your life where you will focus on work. There will be a time in your life where you focus on family. But to say that there is work-life balance, I give 50% to work, 50% to eat, will never happen. And that's oftentimes many people in the name of faith never amount to much. You just say, ah, you know, how I want my life to be... It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You see, let me tell you this that's which you are trusting god for and i believe you are trusting him for big things it will take longer than you expected and it will be harder than you thought most times people underestimate the price that needs to be paid for success if the price was easy everybody would be paying it it's because it's not easy that's why everybody is not paying it because they get there ah this is not for me and they are right it's not for everybody it will be longer than you thought and it will be harder than you expected. Am I making sense? So when you look at people, you know, who have achieved the measure of success, stop looking at the scoreboard. Stop looking at the trappings of success. Check their work ethic. Check their work ethic. They came to Jesus. They said, ah, people, you know, uh, uh, people are looking for you. He said, no, no. <laughs> I said, he said, we need to go to other towns because that was why I came. He said, I must preach the gospel to other cities also. And Jesus himself said, He said, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is still day. He said, because the night comes that no man will be able to walk. He wasn't talking about p.m. He wasn't talking about chronological time. He was talking about the season of his life. And he was not going to be able to do what he's supposed to be doing. And let me tell you, I've told us several times. For every one of us, huh, the best time of your life to do certain things is now. In the next 20 years, that season of your life may be closed forever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is not the time to be having fun. Let me tell you this. It is better to get to a level where there is so much. Fun is easier when you have so much. What you are calling fun now is not fun. Fun when you are still calculating. What is fun in that? Don't put the cart before the horse. Invest your energy in your work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Before David could confront Goliath, he was already laboring in the wilderness where nobody was seeing him. He was doing the work that was required. Hmm. Tim Cook, the current CEO of Apple, tells us that he wakes up every day at 3.45 a.m. His day starts 3.45 a.m. What time does your day start? I'm not saying you wake up 3.45 a.m. He was telling you about some people's work ethic. To so build that kind of company, you cannot be snoring like Jonah. Elon Musk, I think is the second richest person in the world now. (laughs) Elon runs two massive companies. Elon Musk sleeps, he says he doesn't sleep earlier than 1 a.m. And he wakes up later 7 a.m. Many of us, some of us are already thinking, Ah, that's why it is not for everybody. The world is difficult. (laughs) You will have to forget about work-life balance. I hear what I'm saying. Work-life harmony is what you should focus on. How to integrate your work into your life, you see, you must you see there's this ideology a lot of believers have a day when they will not be able to work as it were. But you see, it's those that day will never come, except if you want to be relevant and useless on this earth. That day will never come. Anybody who has achieved anything significant, ah, their work becomes their life, and their life becomes their work. The two work in tandem. Many give up on life because they expect life to give them the greatest result while they are putting in the least effort. Life will never give you more than what you are willing to invest into it. It won't. The next thing you need to pay attention to is your words. Your words. Your words. You must have words that you are consistently speaking as regards your industry. That's why, you see, a declarations of faith if you are not taking it you are shortchanging yourself that's one of the advantages of joining recalibrate that's one of the advantage it gives you it means you have the opportunity of making those declarations of faith at least twice every day in the midnight and in the midday and those are significant portions of every day the midnight and the midday you declare words into those days into your days you declare words this is what you see before david confronted goliath he spoke words before goliath himself spoke words the bible says a him in the name of his god how do you curse by speaking words by speaking words by foretelling when you curse on you are simply saying in the future things will go against you that's what it means to curse that's what it means to cause. And I've told us a couple of times, the future is not some distant days or dates. The future is the moment we have never experienced before in bodily form. So two minutes from now, two hours from now is the future. You can speak into that future. So you want to go for an interview, you want to go for uh, uh, maybe uh, uh, a sales speech, you declare into that future. As I go before that panel, as my name is being mentioned, as I see my proposal, I experience favor. The mercy of God speaks for me where it matters. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You speak words. That's what the Bible says. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. So that's the first way you speak. You speak scripturally. When David was going to confront Goliath, he did not say, no, I will bring you down. He said, you have, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not coming to you by myself. I'm coming to you in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. He was speaking covenants. The reason why many of us don't see many of the things we are saying is what they have taught you is just motivation. I, I, I I am able. I have no. What's God does? What makes your word potent is that it is the echo of God's word. It's the echo of God's word so you speak scripturally jesus said in mark 11 and verse 23 he says that as you uh, mark 11 and verse 23 he says very you. he says whoever will say to this mountain be thou removed and cast into the sea he says if he does not doubt in his heart but he believes he says he will have whatsoever he says whatsoever whatsoever so what are you saying concerning that business what are you saying about your position in that industry I just said, God, please, this month, I want to just make 100,000, 200,000. Is that what you are saying? With all the vast resources in the earth, your desire is 100,000? Somebody, see, I don't care where you are at the moment. You can talk yourself out of it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The reason why sometimes, let me leave that. I'll come to that some other time. But what I'm saying is, speak scripturally. What has God said concerning you in his word? Speak scripturally. Speak scripturally. Speak scripturally. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 verse 5 to 6. He says, he has said so that we may boldly say. The reason why God spoke words is so that we may have some things to say. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, he has said so that we may boldly say. Which takes us to the next way you speak. You speak confidently. That is, you speak boldly. You speak boldly. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 4, it says, wherever the word of a king is, it says, there is power. But you see, many people beg in the place of prayers. God, please, please. What's that? It says he has given you authority. You speak confidently. You speak boldly. Let me tell you this. If you are praying right as a New Testament believer, most of your prayers should be declarations. 90% 90% of your prayers should be declarations. Because the Bible says he has made us kings and priests and we shall reign with him. And how do kings speak? They make decrees. A king does not sit on his throne and say, uh, who will I help you? No, He says it and somebody must get it done. Yeah, somebody's going to lose his head. You speak boldly. You speak boldly. You speak boldly. Hmm. John 22 and verse 28, it says you shall decree a thing. No, you shall say. Can you see that? It says you shall decree. You shall decree. That is, you shall command the thing. It says, and it will be established unto you. What are you decreeing? About your business, about your career, what are you decreeing? Customers are not showing up. I are just, okay. You should decree. The best of clients comes to me. You don't say it once. That's how that next way you speak. You speak continually. You speak continually. You don't say it once and stop saying it. You say it continually. Psalms thirty-five and verse twenty-seven. It says, "Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause." It says, "Let them say continually." So you don't stop saying it until you start saying it. It says, "Let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which at pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You see that. So you speak continually. You speak continually. Next, you speak expectantly. Speak expectantly. Matthew 17 and verse 20. Jesus said unto them, For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, He says, you will say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What do you expect? What do you expect? What do you expect? So today is our 16th, right? Today is the 16th of May. How many days are left in this month? 30 days are September, April. <laughs> 15. What do you expect to happen in the next two weeks and one day? What do you expect? What do you expect? You say what you expect. Don't only think it, say it. The Bible did not say we'll bring to pass what you think. He said you will bring to When God wanted the heavens and the earth, He didn't think it, He said it. He said it, let there be light. He didn't think light, he said light. It got that to say you to see it. Stay with all your motivation. You know, just imagine. Enter into the zone of all those yoga nonsense that believers are even doing and say, I'm doing yoga. Well, where did you get that from? You have not finished practicing Genesis to revelation. It's yoga that is next. Sometimes believers have a misplaced and I think sometimes it's low self-esteem. Because you don't believe what you have been given is enough for you to become all that you need to be. You have to adopt someone else's lifestyle. You know, I was having a conversation with one of our mentors, you know, on Friday. And, you know, he just said what I've always said. And I was just like, You are correct, sir. That when an average believer in this age and time sees a non believer who seems to have some better material things, unconsciously, you think the person is better than you. What's wrong? You are a million, billion times better than that unbeliever. Instead of being envious, you should be, you should be, you should be empathetic towards that unbeliever. That, ah, with all this things this guy has, there's, eternity is not sure. No matter how long you live on the earth, ah, even if you live 150 or 200 years, it's like a nanosecond, not even up to a second of what you will live in eternity. Speak expectantly. What do you expect to happen to you this month, this quarter? What's your goal? How much do you expect to start earning? You see, leave, not the what, leave the how to God. Just not the what. What do you want? Leave the how. Let him be the one to figure that out. Also, you need to speak consistently, and this must not be confused with continually. There are two different things. Consistently simply means there is and what you are saying today is not different from what you are saying yesterday. There is consistency in what you are saying. You are not speaking scripture today. and speaking national budgets tomorrow. Hmm. You are not saying I'm here today and tomorrow you are saying we don't even understand how this business ah I'm struggling in business. You have to choose one. So what are you saying about yourself in the industry? What are you saying about your potentials and possibilities? What are you saying about your dreams and your vision? Hmm. And as I round up this morning Cultivate strategic alliances. Strategic alliances and partnerships. Cultivate strategic alliances and partnerships. If they're going to defeat the opposition in the marketplace, cultivate strategic alliances and partnerships. I want you to listen to what I'm going to be saying in the next few moments as I round up, and I want you to listen to it carefully. You see, the Bible told us David did not only defeat, you know, Goliath was not the only giant that was defeated if you study the life of David, it got to a point, David was not the one now killing giants. There were other guys that were now killing giants in his team. There was a guy by the name of Abishai. The Bible says there was a time David had grown old. He went to the battle, and the Bible says that there was a particular giant, I think Benon or something like that, that wanted to kill David, and it was Abishai that stepped in and he killed the giant, And he said, from today, so that the light of Israel will not be snuffed out, he will not go to battle with us again. It simply means David had in his team people that were delusional like him. You know, we already said you have to be paranoid to the public. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But to you, it must be a calculated risk. So it simply means David did not surround himself with non-entities. He surrounded himself with people that were seeing the way he was seeing. He surrounded himself with people that were thinking the way he was thinking. The reason why many, even though they have big dreams, they come to a church like this, they hear powerful things, and they still don't amount to much, is because when they step out of church, the people they are associating with, the people they are having conversations with, they stifle the things they have been hearing. It will never work. Are you hear what I'm saying. The people in your life are... There should be fire to your, to, to your gasoline or to your petrol. There should not be water. They should not pour water on your fire. They should pour gasoline to it. You should have people in your circle that, when you say, you know what, you have never, you know, your, your, your goal, maybe for the quarter or for the year, right, is seven figures. They say, what's wrong with you? Let's do it. Because it's the same thinking and energy that can produce seven that can produce it. Those are the people, you know, not people that say, ah, oh, <laughs> you better calm down those you need to avoid let me tell you how to recognize them in the things they are saying they say you better don't kill yourself when you hear people saying that if you have them in your circle you will never amount to much in life they say you better don't kill yourself life is not that hard if you need to write it you better write it i know what i'm saying they tell you well, life is not that hard no. have you heard this before the lifespan of work is longer than the lifespan of human being <laughs> <laughs> When you hear people saying things like that, avoid them. They are known; they are NFAs. They have no future ambition. And over time, they will infect you with that spirit. They tell you, you are doing too much. How much is your boss and customer paying you, sir? Let me tell you, your work, the ultimate beneficiary of your work is you, not the person you are doing it for. Because the capacity you build in the place of work, your boss can never take it from you. Can never. So when you think you are working for someone, think right. So you are not working for anybody. You are working for yourself. You say, ah, without this thing, you are, how much are they paying you? You are paying yourself. You, say, you should even consider it a privilege that they give you the opportunity for increasing your capacity. Hmm. People will tell you that. You are not a big boy or a big girl. You are not even spending time with us again. How many us have had that before? Say, now you don't have our time again. Those are people you should avoid. Because if they are busy, they will not even be aware you are not spending time with them. It's because they are less busy than I do. That's why they know you are not spending time with them. You are not even calling us. Are you that jobless? If you are important, they will call you. Praise God. Don't isolate yourself. But in the bid not to isolate yourself, don't also associate with the wrong people. If you are going to rise in the marketplace, if you are going to stand out, your alliances, they are very important. It's very important. You look at someone like Jonathan. Jonathan should have stuck with David. But he was not not able to go the long go. And David did not try to drag him along. Did you notice? David never tried to convince him. Anybody you are trying to convince to take the journey of life with you, they are not supposed to be with you. No, no, no. You are not supposed to. That's why I have never, I, I have, ne, I've never persuaded people. Eh, you know, but, mm, never. If you are dragging that, you will, that person will be a weight. Because when you should be moving, catching up with me, I will be backing you. Many of you, you are backing too many people. That's why your journey is too slow. You need people that you even be trying to catch up with, not people that be saying, "Move now, move now." Or at the end of the day, you're not going to carry the. Person. You see, if you study the Bible, you will realize and understand the way God thinks. The Bible tells us about ten virgins. The Bible says some ran out of, the five ran out of oil or oil or whatever. You see, the natural thing, when you think of the, the naturally, you say, ah, help, eh, help your neighbor now. Is that not what you are supposed to do as a Christian? What we have been told to do. Can yeah, help them now? You know what they said? Is that so that it will not be enough for you and I. Go to where they are selling. It simply means those guys had the capacity to buy, they just chose not to buy. Never make other people's irresponsibility your responsibility. Father in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word has been sown in